Inflation is spiking out of control and the Federal Reserve is unwilling to do anything about it. And unfortunately, the leaders in charge are blaming all the wrong sources. Let's go find out and why this is... Inflation is spiking, and the Federal Reserve is unwilling to do anything about it realistically. And we see the blame game being played. I want to tell you what inflation really is today and why you can expect more of it in the weeks and years to come. Come on, let's go take a look. Dr. Chris Martinson here back with you. We've got a special second episode this week. See how you like it. We're going to be talking economics and inflation and systemic things because I really think there's some huge systemic issues coming. And you need to be prepared for those for everybody who's listening. Hey, you get advance warning. Listen, I might be wrong, but I'm not confused. I just want you to take in all this information I'm going to give you. You do what you're going to do with it. I'll tell you what I do with it, but up to you to decide what you're going to do with it. So, Let's go here now and take a look. This is episode 52. I'm calling this an inflation alert. Of course, who needs an alert from me? You all know that inflation's already raging. And the Federal Reserve, who is the headwaters of the Nile in the inflation story, well, they've just folded as expected. So let's go there and talk about this. All right, it starts here. We have inflation spiking. It's kind of globally. Look at Turkey's inflation, 54%. Obviously, the Turkish lira is collapsing also prices of food and and fuel are going up. So combine those two things, currency down, prices of other things going up in non-local currency terms, 54%. Sounds bad. It is bad. U.S. inflation soared to 7.9% in the last year or soared 7.9%. That's a a fresh 40-year high. I like that. Very positive spend by the press Democrat there. And then Fed's Powell, Jerome Powell, who is going to go down in history, he's, I know he passes off as like this kindly gentleman, maybe even like your grandpa, and the press gives him just a free pass on this whole thing. Come on, press, start asking this guy some hard questions, would you? He's not on your side. There's nothing federal about the Federal Reserve. It says federal in the name, but it's actually owned by private entities out there. And so this guy is in charge of a private company that serves private clients. He doesn't serve the American people. If he does, he does it badly, and I'm going to show you the data behind that. But what does he say deflectively here? Russia's war on Ukraine will worsen inflation. Hey, Jerome Powell. Hey, Federal Reserve. Hey, press, who totally whiffed on all the COVID coverage, right? Remember press? Ooh, horse paste. Ooh, ooh, you know, I have to believe everything Fauci tells me. Turned out a lot of that was wrong. This is your chance. Come on, and come on, press. This is about you, too. This is you, too. This is about your own eroding paycheck. If you're like me, you're getting 0% down at the bank because the Federal Reserve, under Jerome Powell there, they set the rates 0% at the bank, losing 7.9% of its value minimum. Because, by the way, if we've learned one thing with the CDC not being totally honest with the data because... They were worried our little heads couldn't handle it. Trust me, the BLS, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, in charge of the inflation statistics, does just as horrible a job of telling the truth as the CDC, the NIH, the FDA, all of that. So 7.9%, we'll call that the opening bid. I think you could double that safely, and you're in the better ballpark of what inflation really is. But let's call it 10%. You know what 10% means? At 10% inflation, your money loses half its value in seven years. So put all your money into a bank account, get conked on the head, 
In a 10% inflation, you wake up and that money has half the purchasing power it used to have. All courtesy of Jerome Powell, who doesn't serve you, doesn't serve me, doesn't care about either of us, cares about his clients, which he should, right? But we should be honest about who his clients really are. Uh, it's not us. All right. This is the headwaters of the Nile. You want to understand inflation. Inflation is everywhere and always a monetary phenomenon. These are trillions. That's millions of millions over there on the left. Okay, see that left axis over there? Millions of U.S. dollars. Six, what's six million million? Well, that's six trillion. This is the Federal Reserve starting. And by the way, take a look. Take a look where they started printing like crazy. It was here. Here, way out here is where... Um, the actual coronavirus hit was way out here. What was all this? You know what all that was? That was the Federal Reserve printing like crazy in the months. In fact, they started in September of 2019, printing like crazy, looking for an excuse to continue printing like crazy. Found it. And if you want to talk crazy, this is crazy. And they've kept it up. Look at all this printing ever since. Print, 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 print. Because, of course, when the Federal Reserve expands its balance sheet, very fancy term for they take an asset, which is somebody else's debt, like a treasury note. The treasury note is a debt of the United States government. They take that debt instrument and they buy it, air quotes, they buy it and put it on their balance sheet where it's their asset, your liability or our liability. Now, where did the Fed get the money to buy that asset of theirs? Clickety, click, click, click. They type it up and get it right out of thin air. So you would be thinking potentially that a private company that is entrusted with a magic printing press where they get to just click, 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 type up and create lots and lots of money, they would get exceptionally strong oversight by the public whose interests they ostensibly serve. And the representatives of that public would be Congress and Senate. And you know what kind of uh, hard questions they get asked over there at the Federal Reserve? None ever. And by the way, I know for a fact that when I do programs like this, I'm going to run into um, what we'll call uh, soft censorship. Programs like this often that when I do these, when I criticize the Federal Reserve for whatever reason, uh, I find that I lose subscribers to this channel. But by the way, if you find yourself unsubscribed from this channel, that's a part of the soft censorship that we face over here in the truth business. Or if I could dare say I'm in the truth business, I'm not. I'm actually in the BS detecting business. This is BS. I don't know what the truth is, but... This is BS, right? Those of us in the BS calling business often find that we have people very helpfully unsubscribed from our channels. It happens to people all the time. People report that my programs go into advertising and then come out of advertising on a different program and they've been unsubscribed. And by the way, we're not receiving any of these advertising dollars, which is why we've had to pick up sponsors. So put it all together um, along with big tech, Federal Reserve, out of control. Let's zoom in on this last little part right here. Um, here's what it looks like. Check this out. So this is, uh, and boy, well, look at this, almost $9 trillion, $8.919 trillion. So this is the Federal Reserve's printing, and it's just throwing hundreds of billions of dollars into the markets month after month after month. It's just, just into the markets, right? Which ultimately go into the pockets of people like the Citadel CEO and uh, Ben Bernanke, the ex-chairman uh, ex of the Federal Reserve, and all the players on Wall Street, they feast at these thin air billions of dollars and convert them into yachts and Gulfstream 50s and big giant penthouses and things like that. That's the game. It's a big club. You ain't in it. Neither am I. 
Uh, so let's look at this trend line. So the only thing we can say is that the Fed's balance sheet has maybe been experiencing slower growth. Has it still been growing? Yeah, it's been going up and up and up and up, but slower growth. So so that's true. And if we zoom in just a bit more and we could say, well, even this last period is slowing down a little bit more. And by the way, this is a big moment in time, big moment in time. And we'll see how long it lasts. I think it lasts about a month or until the markets correct a little bit more. And then the Fed gives up. The Fed is ending quantitative easing. That's what they're saying right now. And so this is what it would look like. You can see here that just in treasuries, so they buy all different kinds of things for their assets on their balance sheet. U.S. Treasuries, that's one type of asset, the debt instruments of the United States government. They also buy something called MBS, mortgage-backed securities, which, little known fact, makes the Federal Reserve actually right now the largest landlord by far in the United States right now because they own... Uh, trillion and a half dollars worth at least of uh, mortgage-backed security. So at any rate, uh, some number like that. At any rate, just in the treasuries, we see here that they were buying $80 billion, right, during this um, one-month period. And in this next one-month period, they bought another $80 billion, and then they bought another $80 billion, and then they bought another $80 billion. But, oh, look at this taper. See that slowing down? Now they bought 70, and then they bought 60, and then 40, and then 20, and the idea is it's supposed to go to zero here. Uh, we'll see. Maybe. Um, it might. Only until the stock market starts to sell off, and then the Federal Reserve gets a little worried, because um, their job is to defend Wall Street at any point, and Wall Street really, really prefers stocks to go up, not down. Uh, so the Fed will do that, um, protect that as much as possible. But even at BlackRock, like investors want the Fed just stop. Just stop buying bonds because the Fed is stoking massive inflation. It's becoming really uncomfortable. In fact, these uh, investment managers are starting to get uncomfortable because as they are no longer welcome out in society because people recognize them now and go, hey, you're part of that Wall Street crew that's been just jamming inflation down our throats, right? Rightly or wrongly, they're part of that system, rightly or wrongly, to tag them as, as being sort of don't hate, the, don't hate the player, hate the game, right? I think that's what they would say, but people see the player in the game as one thing. I think there's a point to be made for that. So at any rate, what do we see here in yellow quote? The U.S. Federal Reserve should stop buying bonds immediately to contain rampant inflation. A top investment manager of BlackRock said on Thursday, joining a chorus of Wall Street heavy hitters and investors who've been calling for swifter Fed action to contain rising prices. Why? Because rising prices are getting to be really politically and socially uncomfortable by the architects and the prime beneficiaries of that system, right? This being an election year, too, extra English on that ball because, of course, people tend to get very unhappy when they can't afford stuff because of inflation. And by the way, people have started to put the dots together. Inflation isn't like this rare comet that comes somewhere out of the Oort cloud to visit our, you know, inner solar system every so often, magically and mysteriously. It is a matter of policy. Let me repeat that. Every bit of inflation you're experiencing is a matter of policy. It's a decision, a decision that was made by the Federal Reserve, a decision to stoke inflation, and then when they saw inflation starting, to not do anything about it. Those are decisions, not accidents, not random occurrences in nature that nobody can control or understand. Continuing, quote, in yellow, the biggest annual increase in inflation in 40 years and fueling market expectations that the Fed may increase rates more aggressively than anticipated to cool the economy. 
don't think they will. I'll show you why in a second. In green, as it seeks to contain inflation, the U.S. Central Bank also plans to reduce its nearly $9 trillion balance sheet, which grew in size during the COVID-19 pandemic as the Fed bought bonds in the market to support the economy. (laughs) Actually, no, they supported the wealth of the billionaires. It doesn't really do a lot for the economy. In case you didn't notice, the economy to you and me might include Main Street, small businesses, medium-sized businesses, households. They didn't get supported by any of this bond-buying action by the Fed. I, I don't know of any small restaurant that stayed in business because the Fed was busy shoveling billions, if not trillions of dollars to its Wall Street buddies. That's just, that's just a, a silly, silly notion there. All right. Um, and by the way, when you just see here, they talked about uh, the, Fed, the central bank plans to reduce its nearly $9 trillion balance sheet. They're talking about this thing right here that we just that we just looked at. This thing, this nearly nine trillion dollar balance sheet. Okay, all right. Um, do 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 do. Where was I? Oh yeah, right here. Check this out. <laughs> so, so after the pandemic triggered recession, the Fed was buying 120 billion in treasuries. It's planning to bring those purchases to an end here in early March. Um, one of the ways that it does that, of course, is it has to raise interest rates. And so this is a raise of the interest rates here. Um, and this uh, CNBC reporting here uh, that what they're going to do, quote from the headline, there's more inflation coming as the Federal Reserve starts raising interest rates, should say. Um, in yellow, inflation continues to rise and the Federal Reserve is expected to start taking action to combat it with a quarter point rate hike next week. <laughs> All right. I'm laughing because this is just like a, this is a laughable move. Telegraphed way in advance, nothing surprising. The Fed only has a couple of tools in its toolkit, and one of them is uh, the element of surprise. And they would surprise the market by doing something surprising. No surprise, they're telegraphing it. Don't worry, markets. We'll only put it up a quarter of a point, which is the smallest unit it could raise interest rates. And and uh, and by oh, so I mocked it up. To me. If you saw Saving Private Ryan, there's that scene at the end where Tom Hanks' character is shooting his 45 at a tank coming. This is how I mocked it up here. So inflation is that tank. Uh, Jerome Powell's hanging there with his shaky hands, and he's going to shoot a 25 basis point. That's a quarter of an inter- quarter point interest rate hike at this thing coming at him. It's too little, too late. It's laughably small. So that's why I'm putting this as an inflation alert. The Federal Reserve is not that they're incapable. Because they do have the tools. They could do things. They could raise interest rates a surprise 100 basis points, 150, really shock the markets. They could withdraw trillions of dollars from the market right away. They're not going to do that. So the Fed isn't incapable. They're just unwilling. And they don't want to do that because it gets really awkward at the parties there that they go to when, you know, you caused some billionaire portfolios to shrink instead of grow and people corner you with their Manhattans in hand and say, Jerome, what are you doing? I thought you thought you could be trusted, good fellow. Um, so at any rate, uh, that's how I see that going. Now, um, of course, uh, you know, the Fed rate hike expectations shrunk because magically there's the Ukraine crisis. They're like, oh, because Ukraine, you know, oh, because COVID, we had to print a lot more. There's always a reason. It's never a good time to have political spine and take the heat and be willing to take the punch bowl away and be that guy, Right. So Jerome is, might be an awesome dude, and I might like to hang out with him. I don't know. I've never met him. But I can tell you, as a leader, he has zero spine. None. He has no capability of going up against 
um, all the entrenched interests out there. So give him a give him a weasel out. He'll weasel out every single time. So the Fed rate height expectations are expect are they're shrinking. So investors ditched any expectations of that half point rate rise in March. Uh, hike that size is still on the table. Powell says still on the table for this year. <laughs> yeah, thanks, dude. Oh, that's so tough of you. Um, which so again, you know, this whole idea that Powell's saying that it's Russia's war on Ukraine that worsened inflation. Well, that's a liar, liar, pants and fire moment because um, inflation has been rising for all year. Uh, and as far as I can tell, the Ukraine invasion was um, a few weeks ago is when it started. This is the headwaters of the Nile right here. So now this is where inflation comes from too much money printing. Always, always. This is money printing. M2 is a broad version of money out there. Money is is all kinds of different things like the money in your checking accounts and your savings account, corporate treasury accounts, things like that. is money in the system. It's in the banking system. So see this little green bar right here? This is the same size as this green bar. They're the same. I took that same green bar and copied it there and pasted it over there. Okay, so they're the same height, which means that the amount of money printed here in just the last 18 months or so is the same as the amount of money that had been created through every possible transaction from the founding of our country in the United States up and through the year 2004. Every war fought, every bridge built, every school built, every educational process you know run through and degrees paid for and paid off, every home built, every factory built, everything up until 2004 required about the same amount of currency that Jerome Powell and his feckless Fed have thrown into the system in the last couple of years. And now he wants to say, oh, it's that Putin thing going on in Ukraine. That's what the problem is. No, Jerome. No, the problem is all that printing you did. That's the problem. Let's just, can we just be honest about that? Just, let's just own that, right, buddy? Just come on. Just, just do it with me. Just own it. Just own it. So it's not just the Federal Reserve, but who they enable as well. This is federal fiscal recklessness, tracking the deficit down here at the bipartisanpolicy.org website. Good website for tracking this kind of stuff. Look at these deficits. So these are over here in billions of dollars. So these, this would be around $3 trillion right here. 2020, 2021, massive, massive deficits. That means the government took in this much money but spent that much. That's a deficit. And when we look at it this way, um, uh, and 2021 at 22 is probably going to be just as bad when we see how this all unfolds. At any rate, when you print money, when you when you spend money you haven't got, you got to do something. Well, they issue bonds, so the federal government goes further into debt. And then, but what if there were no buyers for all that debt? What if there's no buyers for $3 trillion of excess U.S. government debt? Don't worry, there's always a buyer. And that's what I showed you. The Federal Reserve is that buyer. So watch what's happening. This isn't very hard. Federal government prints uh, and spends too much and writes a bond. Federal Reserve buys that bond with money printed out of thin air. So in essence, the U.S. government is printing money out of thin air and spending it. And that causes inflation. It's really not hard to understand. Um, but uh, Milton Keynes said, Keynes said that uh, inflation is difficult to diagnose. Not one man in a million can diagnose its true causes. But that's just because it's, 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 it's a little slight of hand. 
Somebody spends money they don't have, and somebody else prints it out of thin air to give it to them. Now, there's one extra step in there. The Fed doesn't directly do that because they go through a bank first. Doesn't matter. It's all the same thing. At any rate, uh, looking at this, so <laughs> when you, it, this is just single year. So you can see how much the federal government is deficit spent in a single year. But what if we added it all up? And so I did that. And so these are cumulative federal budget deficits. By the way, this is the cash deficit, only cash. This doesn't include all the accrual-based deficits. What's an accrual deficit? That's um, money you know you owe to Social Security that isn't in the bank, but you know you owe it from an actuarial standpoint. That's a accrual-based deficit. If we were accounting for those honestly, um, the actual uh, position of the U.S. federal government right now is around minus 200 trillion um, in the hole. Right now, we can see over this period of time, cumulatively, it's uh, it's expended um, in a little over 20 trillion that more than it took in from this period of time right here. Uh, the government owes more than that, obviously, um, but some of that is kept off books, as it's called, in what's the Social Security Trust Fund deficit. But this is just the cash deficit, and this is clearly unsustainable. It's getting steeper and steeper with every passing year, right? You can see that. It's like, down it goes, right? Um, so that uh, right there is is a um, problem. It's unsustainable. But that's what's going on right now. You can feel the the desire to sustain the unsustainable. Nobody wants to talk about it. Everybody wants to kick the can down the road a little further. Every election cycle, maybe somebody gets up and says, oh, this is terrible, but then nobody does anything about it. So we need better representation, better leadership. We need people who are willing to look at this and call it for what it is, unsustainable. Now, why do I care? Because eventually something like this, it breaks. And when something like this breaks, that's when your currency gets kind of ruined in the system, right? And so there are other reasons I'm going to be talking about in part two of this, which is over at my website, Peak Prosperity. I think we're facing the possibility in the near future, is that next Tuesday at 830 or is it 10 years from now? But somewhere in there, um, can't get the timing right, but I can tell you the trend. The trend says that the United States is risking its currency system with bad leadership, toxic combination, bad leadership, weak leadership, talking to you, Jerome, and a failure to understand the importance of the petrodollar and pissing off uh, all the countries out there who are important to keeping the petrodollar hegemony all intact. We'll talk about more of that in part two. So at any rate, um, the Fed says that it has a 2% target. It has two things. It has a, a full employment mandate and a price stability mandate. Those are its mandates. <laughs> Actually, it can't control full employment, but it can control prices to a degree. And it's failing on that. Now, the Fed says it has a 2% inflation target, 7.9%, uh, way higher than 2%. Thanks for noticing. This is uh, by John Kemp. By the way, I love John Kemp's work and particularly what he does in energy, but he does a great job here looking at U.S. consumer prices. And again, this is using the BLS's own statistics, which I think are fraudulently too low, but we'll just let's take them at face value for now. And all items over the last two-year period have been compounding at a 4.7% CAGR. That's a compound annual growth rate. So 4.7, way above the Fed's 2% target. Looking at every item on there is way above the Fed's 2% target. But look at the three-month annualized rate. Take the last three months for each of those categories and then annualize it and say, how fast are the prices rising in each of these categories? 
uh, at an annualized rate if we took the last three months as indicative. Well, these are way about, look at this, look at this uh, energy over here at 23%, food at around 10%, commodities, all commodities hanging out here at 11%, um, services even at 5.8%, and what do we got here? All items, X energy at 7.3%. These are horrifying numbers, folks. So just want you to be aware of that. There's more of this to come. Why? Because the Federal Reserve is going to point its giant 0.25% 45 bazooka <laughs> at the oncoming tank, which is represented in these numbers here. All right, so the Fed really isn't going to do anything, but you know what? Doesn't make it any less real. So we now know that thanks to inflation, 64%, let's call that two-thirds of Americans now live paycheck to paycheck. That rises to 70% when we just look at millennials. Why? Because millennials are younger, older people tend to have more savings and um, and higher paychecks and things like that. So 70% of all millennials are now living paycheck to paycheck. I just want them, I want everybody listening, millennial or boomer or wherever you fall, I don't care. I just want you to understand that the headwaters of this Nile for you are the Federal Reserve, okay? And so let me find that chart again way back up here. This is why you're facing inflation. This is why you're living paycheck to paycheck. They are taking money, printing it, funneling it preferentially to rich people on Wall Street. Remember, as Plutarch said, the oldest and most fatal ailment of all republics is a gap between the rich and the poor. So this doesn't, this isn't a socially just thing to do. You can't argue for it in terms of what's right for the country. You can't say that this is good for the short-term, medium-term, long-term perspectives of the country. The only thing that this kind of printing is good for is for a very tiny elite to run a system and rig it in their favor. That's the system. I'm just here to point out the system, connect a few dots, hopefully help you see it for what it is. All right. Um, why? So you can get prepared a little bit, hopefully, and uh, insulate yourself. This was during Jerome Powell's uh, confirmation hearings because he was nominated by Biden to serve a second term as chairman of the Federal Reserve. And during those hearings, he said high inflation is imposing a burden on American families. He acknowledged that. He said, quote, we know that high inflation exacts a toll particularly for those less able to meet the higher costs of essentials like food, housing, and transportation. So, of course, they know that. They just don't care. <laughs> That's what's going on here. The, yeah, Jerome Powell knows. He knows, as a dude worth $100 million knows anything about what it's like to live paycheck to paycheck. Um, he, he, knows, he knows nothing about it. Um, by the way, little known fact, for a whole period of my life, I was a rock climbing bum. I lived in a little VW van with Steve. Hey, Steve, if you're watching this, remember, $5 a week was kind of what we lived on. Dumpster diving, not unknown to me. So I have a little bit of sympathy here. I understand, uh, you know, and remember what that was like. I don't know that Jerome ever was there, but the hubris, this is just insulting, isn't it? Oh, we know that high inflation exacts a toll. It's like Jeffrey Dahmer saying, yeah, I, I know that. You know, this wasn't maybe as good an experience for my victim as me. I don't care if you know. I care what you do about it. So this was during his confirmation hearings, right? And what did he do right after his confirmation hearings? Well, he kept printing and printing and printing and printing and printing and printing. Yeah, I know this is going to be hard on people. But sometimes those are the prices we have to pay or something like that. Jerome, really, just awful, dude. Really, just awful just stop so um let me go full screen on this because um so uh 
This is uh, University of Michigan inflation expectations. Two numbers here. One, red is the one-year expectation. This is across a lot of sampled people. How high do you think inflation is going to be a year from now? And the average across that survey was 5.4%. Obviously, it's higher than that now, so people on average are expecting it to moderate over the next year. And a year from now, we're going to be facing... 5.4% inflation. Now, why is that important? Because that's an expectation. Obviously, nobody knows what the future is going to hold. But when people start to believe that inflation is going to be high next year, people be behave and do things differently. Like I'm doing things differently. You too. Maybe you're pre-ordering things. Maybe you're thinking, I'll buy this thing now defensively because it might be higher in the future. Those are the sorts of decisions that you make when you expect inflation to be higher next year. So we haven't seen a reading like this since the 1980s, early in the 1980s. So this is a, a really serious departure um, in the one-year expectations. And what notice here that the five to 10-year inflation expectations are still at 3%. That's still pretty high. Um, and so if you're expecting inflation to be 3%, why would you keep your money in the bank? And now a quick word from the sponsor of the show, American Hartford Gold. Hey, as I've been talking about, the latest inflation numbers, they're out and they're the worst the United States has seen in over 40 years price of gasoline, housing, food. Hey, they're all up, way up. So how do you protect your wealth, your savings, and your retirement accounts? I'll tell you what I do. Can't give financial advice, but this is what I do. I convert my U.S. dollars into physical gold and silver. Today's sponsor is American Hartford Gold, and they can show you how to hedge your hard-earned savings against inflation by helping you diversify a portion of your portfolio into physical gold and silver. Now, all it takes to get started is a short phone call, and they'll have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or inside your IRA or 401k. And they make it easy. If you call them right now, they'll help you get started, and we'll give you up to $1,500 of free silver on your first order. So don't wait. Call them now. Our money, your money. Hey, it's losing value with every passing hour. Call 844-569-0034. That's 844-569-0034. Or text PEAK, P-E-A-K, to 65532. Again, that's 844-569-0034. Or PEAK to 65532. All right, let's go back to our program. And thank you to American Hartford Gold for being our sponsor today. But, of course, these expectations get smashed when we look at this data here, which is um, there's a couple ways you can measure inflation. There's, this is one off of the Federal Reserve website itself called FRED. I like the FRED website. Dishes up nice charts, allows you to download the data so you can play with it yourself. It's kind of cool. So at FRED, they have this thing called the Flexible Price Consumer Price Index. This one is less food and energy, which are particularly volatile. But um, uh, what's a flexible price? Well, Prices across different things don't rise all the same. When we say inflation is 7.9%, it's not like everything went up 7.9%. Rent might have gone up 30%, while shoes only went up 1%. There are things that are more flexible in their pricing. They're more dynamic, that when inflation starts to run, they go up fastest, firstest, right? So when they measure those things and they're looking at um, consumer price inflation based on those flexible items in a weighted basket, we find that not only is it high, but it's higher than it's ever, ever been by a lot. Like, it's not even close. These are the 70s back here, right? Um, so those 70s are nothing compared to what we're seeing today. Um, so at any rate, 
where does all this go? What do I want you to know? Glad you asked. Um, let's go here uh, because this is how I think it all ends. Like this is how things just, you know, barring something else like the price of gasoline or oil rising so high that it just breaks the system. It works like this. It starts here with the government engaging in more deficit spending, which leads to higher levels of debt. And higher levels of debt should be, usually make interest rates go up because there's more demand for those dollars. So as the Federal Reserve tapers off and stops buying those treasuries, who's going to buy them? Russia? <laughs> Please, China? Mm. Who internationally? I think the international demand is going to be a little bit lower for those things now that the United States has told Russia, your sovereign reserves, we can just not, we can just flick those off anytime we want. Like, oh, really? Hmm. It's an odd thing for a reserve currency to do. Be talking about that more in part two. So interest rates go up. As interest rates go up, you have higher interest costs at the federal level, which makes you have to deficit spend more. And if you go around this little loop-de-loo a couple times, that's when the whole thing breaks. Um, because eventually, you go around this loop a few times and you find that your interest service costs are 100% of your tax receipts. And then it's lights out, game over, nuclear um, particle reactor spins out of control and your debt levels go into the stratosphere. Uh, and that's aka hyperinflation as the value of the currency devolves very, very rapidly. So this is the unvirtuous cycle. But of course, um, you know, we're, we're pretty far down this path. And what's putting it on rocket fuel afterburners right now is the United States official response to sovereign nations, uh, sovereign holdings. Uh, that's anyway, we'll talk about that some more in just a bit. All right. As always, I'd rather be a year early than a day late. Uh, that's my particular motto. What do I consider doing here? Hey, everybody ought to have at least some some insurance levels of gold and silver. If you can, do it. You plant a garden, please. Plant a garden. Listen, you're going to eat healthier. Uh, it may save you a ton of money this year and in the years to come. It may even be that you can grow things that you can't get otherwise because of systemic disruptions or who knows what's happening. So plant that garden and then stock up. I'm showing you a very, very, very deep pantry in somebody's basement. Not mine. I wish mine looked like that. Um, but as well, you could stock up on all kinds of things because in an inflationary environment, if your money is going to lose 7, 8, 9, 10, 12, 15% in a bank over the next year, well, why don't you just buy the jeans you're going to buy next year, this year? It's called forward buying. Uh, you do that with food, you do that with consumables, you do that with household things, whatever you can do. You want to pull those purchases in now while they're still on sale, but more importantly, while they're still available. High inflationary out periods are always correlated with low, crappy supplies of things. Shelves go bare. Whole sets of reasons for that. Um, as well, it's not just about the stuff you have, but we talk about at Peak Prosperity, and this is the book Prosper, which covers these eight forms of capital. Really important. Um, when I say deep pantry and things like that, I'm talking about material capital, which is that bubble right down there, or living capital right next to it, going counterclockwise, which is the garden I was just talking about, or the health of your body. But as well, having financial capital, obviously important. But knowledge, your skills, really, really important. Your emotional capital, perhaps the most important of all. Social capital, ridiculously important. Cultural capital and time capital, rounding this out. Those are the eight forms of capital that if you're rich in those, each of those, you will be resilient and you will have a much, much better chance of being happy, healthy, wealthy, and not stressed compared to somebody who's poor in any one or all of those. 
So that's the kind of stuff we talk about resilience at Peak Prosperity. So you might want to come on by, check out uh, peakprosperity.com. This is front page this morning. We're talking about uh, starting gardens and all sorts of different things. Great community of people here. So uh, come on by, check that out if you want. And um, if you're interested, this is part two, which we're going to be covering uh, right after this over at Peak Prosperity. The propaganda, it's, it's not really, it's not so much the, um, it, it's, it, it's the, uh, how did, how did that phrase go? It's, it ain't what you know that can, that, that'll hurt you. It's what you don't know that you think you know for sure. Something like that. Um, propaganda or the narratives we tell ourselves when we have the wrong narrative in play, they're very harmful. So for a long time, we had the narrative out there that remdesivir was standard of care. Everybody agreed. You just give it to people. We now know that that was really the wrong decision. But how did that narrative get get so deeply entrenched that hospital administrators and doctors and staff at every hospital in the United States suddenly knew that that was what you did without the data actually supporting that? So right now, I'm telling you, we have these narratives running that are astonishing. One of them is United States exceptionalism will always be the top dog. We tell people what to do, and then they do it, right? Um, that's a crazy story, because obviously humans have willpower, and different countries have different ideas about things. Or the idea that the United States dollar will always be the world's reserve currency. King dollar, nothing going to happen about that. The world will always accept dollars, which we print out of thin air, and give us awesome, tasty stuff in, ba- in return, like oil and titanium and whatever, right? So this whole idea that... The United States sits at a moment of history when it can do no wrong and everybody has to just follow its lead is um, it's not a strong narrative. So that's why I talk about resilience. And I think it's really important that you be resilient. And over at Peak Prosperity, we're gathering a tribe of people together because we're, well, as we call, there's a story over there um, that we talk about ourselves as the remnant. And we can go into that in more detail later. But we have a special role in this story. We're the people who are capable of hearing this, seeing what's coming, understanding what it is, not being attached to a certain narrative like, oh, I couldn't think that, Chris, because then I would have to think ill of my party, right? Oh, that's a dangerous thought right there that, you know, you outsource your thinking and your sense of direction to um, allegiance to a tribe or a team that, that doesn't have your best interest at heart. That's crazy time. So what we're doing as a tribe is we're just trying to be open-minded, curious, thoughtful, hedge our bets, and take the actions that we can take today so that we can be as resilient and happy tomorrow um, and today. So that's what we do. Hey, come on by Peak Prosperity. Love to see you there. Have a great weekend, but please take action as soon as you can. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.